Praise the Lord. Well, y'all may be seated. Um, this message today was really inspired. I shared this, I think, last week. When we were at Winter Bible Seminar, Pastor Kendall and Nett Hagen's daughter, Denise Hagen Burns, was uh, preaching one morning, and she preached on generational cohesion. She's been in ministry for 25 years, working with children and youth, so she's had a lot of experience, done a lot of research. She has a degree in early childhood development, and just some of the stats and the information that she shared about this upcoming generation just so hit my heart. Amen. So my message this morning, I'm not going to be preaching her message because that's her message and the direction I'm going is completely different. But again, I want to encourage you to come back tonight. Like Pastor said, the message I'm preaching today is we are called to be a generational church. If you just look around this wonderful church here, this camp part of the Bay Christian Center, you can see, readily see, that we are a multicultural church. And we are definitely a multi-generational church as well. If you don't believe that, just ask our ushers on how they regulate the heat here in the room. The seniors are cold, the middle-aged women are hot and fanning. And the younger younger generation and the youth don't care about the temperature. They just want to have fun. So sometimes it can be like, how do we all get this to work together as what we are supposed to be? The family of God. Amen. Well, just to start out here, God is not just the God of one generation. He's not the God of some past generation. Or he's not just the God of some up and coming generation. He's the God of all generations. Everybody who's born again is in the same family of God. How many of you in here have called on the name of the Lord as your Lord and Savior? Well, the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 13 in the New King James, it says this, For whosoever, are you a whosoever, shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let me see your hand again if you're born again. If you're saved, you're part of the family of God. And receiving Jesus into our lives, into our heart, has no age restriction, no limitation on accepting the Lord. You're never too young. You're never too old to come into the kingdom of God. Some of you may be like me. You may have asked the Lord in your heart as a small child. Anybody here been born again since they were just a kid? Yeah, we got a few in here. Uh, so others of you, you know, you may have been up in years before you ask him into the kingdom. But everyone at every age and every stage in their walk with the Lord and their spiritual development, we all have something to contribute to the family of God. A family in the natural. If there's children, if there's grandchildren, everybody in a family's not the same age. There's going to be some older generation. There's going to be some younger generation. And it's the same with the family of God. And we need to esteem and respect each other and honor what each generation has to contribute into our lives and into the local body here 
at Heart of the Bay. I like this scripture. I found this the other day in the NLT. It's in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 29. It says, the glory of the young is their strength. The gray hair of experience is the splendor and magnificent of the old. The glory of the young is their strength. There's something about youth, isn't there? About their enthusiasm, their passion, their zeal. I mean, they're full of life. But there's also something to be said about those that are older and have gray hair and have experience. Well, guess what? You don't have to have gray hair to prove that you are experienced and mature. I'm just saying. I've chosen to wash that gray right out of my hair. And have multiple colors. But just so you know, I'm quite mature. Regardless of the color of my hair. Can I, can I get a witness? Amen. <laughs> but I think that that scripture is important because I think it's telling us, don't judge one another by their outward appearance. In many respects, we're going to have people that may come in here and we're believe. how many of you are believing with us for mighty harvest, mighty harvest here in the Bay Area. So that means that we may have some younger people come in here. We're believing that we're going to have younger people come in here and some of them might have green hair. You know, it's St. Patrick's Day. Maybe somebody's going to come in here today with green hair, chose to dye their hair green. They might have purple hair. They might have hats. You know, they could look different than you think they should look on the outside. But we're not supposed to judge by the outward appearance. We could have some youth come in here that we're like, whoa, look at all those tats. Look at those piercings. Ah! But they open their mouth and out of their mouth comes the fire and the passion of God. We don't want to judge a book by its cover, right? It doesn't have to do with the outward appearance. Now, parents, I'm not, I'm not saying that you ought to let your youth, you know, do whatever they want to do and, and do all these crazy things to their body. That's between you and them. You're the head of the household. You set the boundaries. You set the standard for raising your own children and your own youth. But I'm talking about people, young people that I believe are going to come in off of the streets. We're praying them in. We got a college right across the street from us and where our doors and our hearts are open to the youth. They're open to people from every generation coming in here and we're going to accept them. We're going to love them. Amen. We're not going to be afraid of what they look like and put up this barrier and say, whoa, I can't accept that. Whoa, I can't minister to them. We just have to keep into account that how many of you were ever young once? (laughs) Wow, some of you didn't raise your hand. It's been that long. You can't remember. We were all young at one time. And some of the stuff that you do, it's just called being young and dumb. We've all done it. Sometimes we're old and dumb, but we're talking about the youth right now. (laughs) And you know, sometimes you see 
things that they put on their body. I know like even our son James, he's got several tats on his body. And now when I see him, he's like, oh man, I got to cover that up. And I want to say, you know, I could have told you that (laughs) when you were a teenager, that when you get to be in your late uh, 30s, close to 40, you're going to regret that. But you know, they have to make their own way oftentimes and, and choose these things. And uh, uh, Somebody gave me a birthday card one time. It was hilarious. And it was this picture of this lady on the front. And she said, she said, when I was younger, I got a, a rose petal tattoo. And then you open it up. And she said, now that I'm older, it's become long stem. <laughs> because everything started sagging and drooping, you know. So... <laughs> Like I said, young and dumb. I didn't say what part of the body, so don't go there. But nonetheless. <laughs> so sometimes you do these things. And you don't have the right perspective about maybe the older gray-haired generation. Y'all have heard of Mark Twain, right? Mark Twain said this. When I was a boy of 14 years old, my father was so ignorant... I could hardly stand to be around him. But when I got to be 21, I was astounded at how much he had learned in seven years. (laughs) Youth need the experience and the wisdom of the older generation. But the older generation also needs the passion, the enthusiasm, and the energy of the youth. Amen. Generational cohesion. Every generation working together. And what's part of our responsibility as an older generation? And I'm talking from the standpoint of the older generation because that is where I'm at. And that's where a lot of you are at. I see a lot of gray hair out there. Some of you didn't wash that gray right out of your hair and you don't have to. It's your choice. But what is our responsibility? To be good mentors. Mentoring is so important. If you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, you're going to have the most influence and the most impact on those in your family. But as people in this church and in the body of Christ, we also have a responsibility to mentor the up and coming generation. It's not just about children's workers or youth workers. And that's really, really important. But it's really about all of us praying Speaking into the lives of those that are coming up underneath of us. As I was thinking about mentorship, I was reminded of my own life. Thank God that I had such good, godly parents. And they really were the number one influencers in my life. But I can think back to growing up in that good little Pentecostal little country church and the the Sunday school teachers that I had through the years. And then all through my teenage years, I became youth leader. But the person that was over our youth group was T.L. Osborne's baby sister. And her name was Frankie. And Frankie spoke into my life. 
I still think about it today. She recently went home to be with the Lord and her daughter had texted me and said, you know, I found some letters that you had written to my mom that she kept. And that's because we had this connection. And I remember her talking to me, giving me godly counsel concerning relationships. I almost married the wrong person. And she was one of the ones that said, I know you have a call of God on your life. And this is not God's best for you. And you know, I listened. I received that godly counsel. She encouraged me to walk in the call of God. And you know what else she did? Because she got it from her brother. She instilled in me a love for the world. We may have been in a tiny little rural community in Oklahoma, but very often we talk about and we pray for the nations of the earth. And that got imprinted into my life. Folks, what we do, what we say with it to the next generation can impact them. And I know beyond a shadow of doubt, whatever I accomplished by God's grace in the kingdom of God, Sister Frankie has a reward in it because she was one of the ones that took the time to invest in me. I want to encourage you. If you serve in CIA, if you serve in preschool, if you work with the youth, don't think that it is a small thing. You're impacting the next generation with love and the power of God. And everyone that you influence, whatever they do in the kingdom of God, you'll have a reward in it. That's how God set it up. It's his design that we all glean and we all esteem and we learn from one another. He is the God of generations. You'll see this all throughout the Bible. I found so many scriptures. I can't even share them all today with you. But I've picked out a few so we can just see how God emphasizes this. Y'all remember when the children of Israel, they were, they were bound in Egypt. They were slaves. And God called on Moses. And he said, I'm going to use you to deliver my people from this oppression. And God, you know, he was having this conversation with Moses. And Moses was wavering. And he's like, oh, God, I don't know if I can do this. And one of the things that God told him, it's found over in in generations. That could be a book. In Exodus. (laughs) Exodus chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. So here's this conversation between God and Moses. He's like, who am I going to say told me to do this? And God said to Moses, you're going to tell them I am who I am has sent you. Is what he was saying. Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Verse 15. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. 
This is my name forever. And this is my memorial to all generations. He's reiterating here to Moses three different generations. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And what did he say? I'm the God of every generation. I was the God of Abraham. I was the God of Isaac. I was the God of Jacob. And Moses, I am your God. And I shall be with you. And I shall empower you. Just like I was with Abraham. Just like I was with Isaac. Moses, I am with you. And I will help you deliver these people from bondage. Amen. One minister described three, a generational church like this. Abraham resources Isaac. Isaac releases Jacob. And Jacob reveres Abraham. Once again, we need each other. Youth have passion. And they have zeal. And many times they have vision. They have dream. But they don't have any money. So they need us to help them fund these big things they get in their heart. Right? (laughs) These three generations was emphasized again and reiterated in Acts chapter 2. I know many of you are very familiar with Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is the account of the day a Pentecost when the 120 were in the upper room Jesus himself told them to go and to wait in this in the city of Jerusalem wait until you be endued with power from on high so the Holy Ghost came and he fell on that group that day they began to speak in other tongues they got so full of the Holy Ghost they stumbled out into the streets and the Bible says that 3,000 people were born again that day as a result of them being filled with the Spirit and praising God and preaching the Word of God but then in verse 17 After this wonderful account, it lets us know this is not a one-time event. Not a one-time event for the church. And when we get filled with the Holy Spirit, it shouldn't be a one-time event for us either. It's an ongoing thing in our life to stay full of the Spirit. Amen? So in Acts chapter 2 and verse 17, And it shall come to pass in the last days, says who? Says God. That I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. The message says there of that phrase, every kind of people. Every kind of people. Just like whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whosoever shall ask for this precious gift of the Holy Spirit can be filled, endued with power from on high. So that includes all generations, all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Now that does not mean that you come to church and fall asleep and hope that you get a godly dream in church. No. <laughs> Some of you are working on that right now. 
That's not what it means. God's going to give us dreams. He's going to give the young people vision. But he also says here in verse 18, And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. What are men servants? What are maid servants? Those who serve the Lord. So if we get in the work of God, we put our hand to the plow. We offer our supply. He says, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon you. I'm going to enable you to do what you can't do for yourself. I'm going to give you a grace to run your race. And again, this is every generation. He just sat here. Your old men are going to dream dreams. Your young men are going to have visions. And then he said, and I'm going to pour out my spirit on your sons and your daughters. The three generations all experiencing the same power of God. Now, every generation, it has their own style. And the youth, you know, they like to think that they're really cool. And that's great to be cool and to have fun in the youth group and, you know, have their own music and all of that stuff. But there's nothing in the word about being cool. But there is something in the word about being full. Full of the Holy Ghost and power. And it's fine for the youth to have fun. And they ought to have fun. And they ought to have fellowship. And they ought to be cool. But my prayer is that our youth here at Heart of the Bay and the youth in the body of Christ would have encounters with the Holy Ghost. He said in the last days I'm going to pour out my spirit on your sons and on your daughters. If these as young people don't have encounters and like Denise said on that video, don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, then we will lose them. 50% of high school seniors walk away from their faith after they graduate. Why is that? They've not had that personal touch with Jesus. They've not known him as their Lord, their friend, their Savior. They've not been filled with the Holy Ghost. We here are a spirit-filled church. And being filled with the Holy Ghost is not a generational thing. You don't have to wait till you're old and gray to speak in tongues. I was filled with the Holy Ghost when I was 11 years old. Almost had turned 12, but it was, I was 11. And you know, folks, that was 53 years ago. But I feel like the psalmist David. He said, from a young age, I have known you. I have known you, O Lord. And because of being born again at such a young age and getting filled with the Holy Spirit, I know that being filled with the Holy Spirit is what kept me. It kept me secure and grounded and connected. And that's my prayer 
for the younger generation that they won't just be cool and they won't just have fun but they'll have encounters with God and you know what that did for me and you know what that will do for them it marked me I can honestly say not ever not one time in my life did I ever think or say I'm going to walk away from God it's not worth serving Jesus. Did I always make right decisions? Of course not. I was young and dumb, just like some of you. Made wrong choices, made wrong decisions. But I was always secure in the fact Jesus loves me. And I love him. And there's no one else on this earth that I want to please or give my life to other than him. Parents, grandparents, I know many of you, you're working hard and you're striving to give your kids a better life, a great education, maybe stuff that you didn't have growing up. That's all good. That's all fine. But in the process, don't forget to give them Jesus. Get them to the youth group. Get them in CIA. Get them in church. I am a living, written testimony of the faithfulness of God and of his keeping power. You want your youth to be kept and sustained in this last day. You want the next generation to grow up and be powerful for God. We have our responsibility Teach them in the home, but get them in church and let the church say, amen. Amen. Get them in church. This gospel message that we preach, it's for all ages and for all times. They can be touched right where they're at. Just like you have been. Now, the psalmist David, I love his life. I love the stories of his life and his passion for the Lord. And he is another one who knew about how important it was to pass on to the next generation the things that he himself had learned. In Psalms 145, let's look at verse 1 through 4. Everybody still here? Yep, yep. I will... Extol you, my God, O King. I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you. And I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. David was a worshiper. David was a praiser. He was very expressive in his love toward the Lord. The Bible tells us oftentimes that David danced before the Lord with all of his might. He wasn't ashamed. To openly magnify the Lord in front of his kingdom when he was king and in front of his family. That's how he said one generation to the next 
will praise you. How are they going to learn to praise the Lord unless they hear it out of our mouth? Unless they see us expressing our worship and our honor unto the Lord. He, he, they need to see it through us. And you know, everybody had praises the Lord differently. Maybe you just raise your hands. Maybe you're quiet in your praise. And, or maybe, you know, you don't, you're like me. You want to dance before the Lord, but you have absolutely no rhythm. So you just, you know, you can't sing like me. Maybe I make a joyful noise unto the Lord and I do dance before the Lord with all of my heart, but usually privacy of my own home. But. <laughs> When the kids, when John and Lindy were first married and they were here on, on staff and, you know, we were having some wild Holy Ghost meetings. And when the spirit gets to moving, I just couldn't help it. When the spirit gets to moving, I get to moving. And I had my little moves that I was making and they used to make fun of me. They named how I danced before the Lord doing the mom. Very unique moves. But you know what? The Lord knew my heart. And it did impress and imprint them that mom is not ashamed to praise the Lord with all of my heart. How about you? Now, every generation is not going to praise the Lord in the same way. Will praise and music sound the same from every generation? The answer is absolutely not. Will we all love the same style of music? Again, the answer is absolutely not. I want to read you a couple of letters that were written from some of the older folks to church leaders. One said this, I don't like the new music. It's too loud. It's too lively. It will never catch on. It's not keeping with our church Traditions. That letter wasn't written last week. It was written in 1890 regarding amazing grace and power in the blood. I think they caught on. And then here's another one. When I go to church, it's to worship God. Not to be distracted with learning a new song. The new tune that you sang last week was unsingable. The harmonies were quite distorting. That was not written to Pastor Tom last week. It was written in the late 1800s concerning what a friend we have in Jesus. Isn't that something? Each move has a distinct sound. Some music doesn't appeal to everyone. You might like Bill Gaither and Vestal Goodman. Good for you. But your youth may be listening to Lauren Daigle or Hillsong, Young and Free. We have to realize the style of music is not going to fit us all. But the most important thing is the spirit behind it. If the artist is right with God and they're magnifying the Lord, then we ought to say, hooray. Go ahead, youth, and listen to that. Because the anointing is on it. Amen? Amen. Another thing about David's life is he knew about the mercy and the faithfulness of God. In Psalms 89 verse 11. I will sing. See, he's doing some more singing and praising here. I will sing 
of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. Folks, are you telling your family? Are you telling your friends? God is good. God has been faithful. Great is your faithfulness. Oh, Lord, I will declare from generation to generation, God, you are faithful. God, you are merciful. Your mercies are new every single morning. That's what we need to be instructing the younger generation about. And then David, he also had a revelation that God uses youth and he uses the older. Think about this. He was anointed to be king when he was around 17 years old. What, how old was he when he killed the lion and the bear? He was even younger than that. He was despised for being a youth when he went out to confront Goliath. And we know how that turned out. God used him. God uses the young, the old, and the middle age. Paul had this revelation. He was talking to his young son in the ministry by the name of Timothy. Over in 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 12 and 14. Let no one despise your youth. Be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. This word example in verse 12 literally means this. Leave an impression or a mark. How many of you remember the old fashioned typewriter? Some of you younger ones are like, what? What's that? You know where you had to plunk on the keys and there was a ribbon in there and you had to put paper in there. This is really, this is what this is saying. That typewriter, when you hit that key, it hit the ribbon and then it imprint the paper. It left its mark. That's what we're supposed to do. We're to leave an impression. We're to leave a mark on those around us. Regardless of age, whether we're young or we're old, we are typing on the souls of men and women. What kind of impression are you leaving? That's something to think about, it, not it? And then David knew the power of impacting future generations. Psalms 71, 17, and 18 and the NLT. Oh God, you have taught me from my earliest childhood and I constantly tell others about the wonderful things you do. Are you catching it? He's declaring again, God, you're wonderful. I'm telling everybody about it. Then he refers to gray hair again. I don't know why he's he's hung up on gray hair. Now that I am old and gray, do not abandon me, O God. Let me proclaim your power to this new generation. Your mighty miracles to all who come 
after me. This is a powerful prayer that David prayed. He's specifically praying concerning his role and the next generation. He knew that there was a transmission of the things that he had learned in his walk with the Lord that he needed to impress upon those coming after him. And he knew he couldn't do it in his own ability. So he's saying, God, give me the strength. Give me the wisdom. Give me the sustaining power to get it done. Each generation has a mandate to reach their generation. To raise up, to release those coming after us. Is all of our parts. Every single generation is called to give God praise. First Peter chapter two, verse nine. Y'all are listening good. Keep listening. Listen fast. I have a little bit more here. Almost done. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. We are all a chosen generation. He didn't pick out one. He picked us all out. Every age, every stage of our life, he wants to use us. He wants us to bring glory and honor to him. He wants us to be a praise unto him. You are a holy nation. We are called to be a generational church that reaches out, that raises up people, that reaches out to the other nations of the earth. The body of Christ is a holy nation unto God. Then we're called to bring forth, proclaim his praises out of darkness into the marvelous light. Are we living in a dark time, saints? Of course we are. Are the younger generations, are are they being bombarded with thoughts and temptations and all of this stuff of the wicked one that we probably don't know everything that they have to face. But guess what? We've got the light. We are called to be a generational church. We are called to present Jesus and his marvelous light to give him praise from one generation to the next. We are called to pray for the next generation. We are called to be his witness, to be his light. I like something that I recently read and it said this about prayer. Prayer is not not just about God answering us. It's about us answering God. And I want us all to stand. It's about us answering God. It's about us saying, Lord, here am I. I dedicate and I consecrate myself to your service. Lord, I'm going to do my part to help merge the generations that your praise may be heard and known and proclaimed in all the earth. 
As a matter of fact, everybody raise a hand to the Lord and I want you to repeat that after me. I want you to say this, dear Lord, here I am. I dedicate and I consecrate myself to your service. I want to be your voice, your hand reaching out to every generation. I want to be part of the answer that helps to merge the generations that your praise may be heard, may be known and proclaimed throughout all the earth to all people. Hallelujah. Now let's just lift our hands and let's just praise him. Lord, I thank you today. I thank you for the word that has gone forth. And Lord, I'm believing. I'm believing that the words that have been spoken, they are leaving an impression and they are leaving a mark on all of our hearts in this place today. That we may as a church reach, reach the lost. Heal the hurting and mature the believer. Hallelujah, hallelujah.